You're listening to the CTK O'Fallon Podcast. If you haven't noticed by now, I hope that they have not done a close-up zoom in on my face (laughs) this morning. I do have a bandage on my face and I was trying to stop that bleeding for the last couple hours and it would not. And so I just came on anyway. So I'm going to try to preach and act like it's not here. And you're going to try to listen and act like it's not here as well. Neither one of us will accomplish that very well. And so we're going to embrace it. Luke chapter number five and John chapter number five. Luke chapter, well, let's go to Luke chapter six and then we'll come back to Luke chapter five. Luke chapter six. Then we'll come back to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 6 here, verses 6 through 10. Luke chapter 6, verses 6 through 10. And then John chapter number 5. And we'll go here at verses 5 through 8. Luke chapter 6, verses 6 through 10. And it came to pass also on another Sabbath that he entered into the synagogue and taught. And there was a man whose right hand was withered. And the scribes and the Pharisees watched him whether he would heal on the Sabbath day, that they might find an accusation against him. But he knew their thoughts and said to the man which had the withered hand, I want you to pay attention to this, rise up and stand forth in the midst. And he arose and stood forth. And Jesus said unto them, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath days to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? And looking round about upon all them, he said unto the man, Stretch forth thy hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored whole as the other. Let's go to John chapter number 5. And here we have the troubling of the waters at the Pool of Bethesda. And uh, this is not some kind of a hocus-pocus scene, but there was a, uh, a bubbling up of the brook, if you will. And they had superstition kind of thing that if you got in, you were healed. And so Jesus comes, and a certain man, verse 5, was there, which had an infirmity 30 and 8 years. Somebody say 38 years. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he said unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? And the impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked, and on the same day was the Sabbath. Amen. Today, I'm troubled with a couple of titles, and uh, the first title would be this, Try One More Time. Try One More Time. But since the events have unfolded this day, my title is Cute Band-Aids Don't Work. Cute band-aids don't work. Amen. 
If you would lay your Bibles down, let's ask the Lord to help us today because I do believe that God wants to speak to somebody very diligently today. Lord, I thank you this morning for your blessing. I thank you for the sacrifice that you gave that enables us to come boldly into your throne room of grace. You see right now every need, every circumstance, and every situation. And I pray, God, your liberty, I pray your divine will and your word in this house this morning. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I feel like we just need to take a moment right now just to entertain, magnify the Lord, welcome Him into this place. God, I love you today. Lord, I love you today. Lord, I magnify your name today. God, you are holy and worthy, Lord. We worship you this morning. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, amen. Turn around to somebody and tell them cute band-aids don't work. Amen, God bless you. You can be seated. So there I was early this morning trying to be the first one into the building. I didn't think I was in a hurry. And it's not that bad, but it just skinned all of the skin off the front of my face. So I tried for two hours to get the bleeding to stop, and it would not stop. And I tried little Band-Aids. My wife pulled them all out. and Luca came into me or, or came over to me when I walked in. He said, Dad, are you going to take that off? <laughs> and we had all these cute little Band-Aids. And I tried them, and they don't work. And so I just put the big old ugly thing right on the front of my face, and it's working. <laughs> so sometimes when things happen, we try to hide it. We try to make it look good. We try to make it look pretty and pretend like a little Band-Aid right there. Nobody's going to notice and nobody's going to ask any questions. And the reality is people still notice. But if you put a big Band-Aid on, people don't ask questions because they know what's happened, what's going on. Healing is a process, and in that process of healing, there are, there are moments and points of, of discomfort, of embarrassment, if you will, and of vulnerabilities. Vulnerabilities. And so we can refuse to do the things that are obvious and say, I'm not going to do that. Pride and dignity says, I'm not going to do that. Or we can be stuck with the worst situation of maintaining the sickness or the ailment or the problem that is there. And so we do things that are discomforting that we would not ordinarily do because we have a desire to be healed. We have a desire to be remedied. Probably one of the most significant things that happened in my life physically was when I was nine years old and I broke my leg. You've heard me tell this before of how I spent two and a half weeks in traction in a hospital bed with weights pulling on me at all different places, and then about two months in a body cast, a full body cast. And I will never forget the day they cut that body cast off, 
they, they um, first thing I did was ask for a bath. That was the first thing you do when you've been in a body cast for two months. And they, they wheeled me to my hospital room, and okay, the therapist came in and said, okay, now we're going to walk. And so what I did not anticipate was the rush of blood that would hit my feet after two months of laying flat. And when I stood up immediately in that moment, everything went dizzy and I collapsed, fell over. And they laid me back down, set me back down. And I said, okay, we'll, we'll try again tomorrow. And they came back the next day and said, okay, you think you can stand up now? I don't know. And I got up and that sensation of standing up. And now they said, try to take a step, try to walk. And it was the weirdest mental thing because I knew how to walk, but I forgot how to walk. How do I do this? <laughs> and the therapist was like, how do I walk? I, I, you wouldn't think about something like that that you forget how to walk. Forgot the momentum, the feeling, what was it like to put one step in front of the other to hold your balance and had to get all of the back. Of course, it came back. I, I had crutches for probably... Another about five or six months there before finally I was totally free of all of them and, and released to run back, run again and play on my own. But that feeling of walking, and there was that moment where they said, okay, take a step. And you have to be willing to do something that ha has not worked previously. You have to be willing to do something. Okay, let's stand up, let's walk. You have to be willing to do something that failed you last time you did it. So healing is this process, and it involves these moments of discomfort. It involves periods of vulnerability. Today, I'm talking to someone, not necessarily about your physical being, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a physician, I don't begin to pretend to know anything like that. All of my expertise in that area comes from YouTube, so you definitely don't want to listen to me. But I am talking about the need for healing of the soul, healing of the heart sickness, a disease that comes. It can be inflicted by life or others, or it can be self-inflicted. But nonetheless, what we need is we need healing. Go with me, if you will, to an Old Testament book, Nahum. Nahum. Go to this Old Testament book. Nahum's only three chapters. It's not very long. And this is a word that God gives to the prophet Nahum to the city of Nineveh. Now, it's interesting because Nineveh is a Gentile city, a very secular, carnal, anti-God-type motivated city. But it represented the seat of Assyrian power. It was an incredible uh, metropolis of that day and area. Um, amassed so much wealth, and not only that, but knowledge. That was one of the things that they wanted to have. And there were more than one prophets that were sent to Nineveh. Of course, the most famous probably we would think of as Jonah, but here Nahum comes to them. And now in like manner as Jonah, he prophesies destruction, God's judgment. And here is how the end of the book of the prophecy of Nahum closes in the very final verse, Nahum chapter 3 
and verse number 19. Now their problem is their sin, their wickedness, their iniquity. But look at what it says in chapter 3, verse 19. It says, there is no healing of thy bruise, and thy wound is grievous, and all that hear the brute of thee shall clap the hands over thee, for upon whom hath not thy wickedness passed continually. He's illustrating and manifesting, if you will, here the sins of Nineveh that are so great. Upon whom hath your wickedness not passed over? And yet he could have said, it's your sin, it's your evil, but he puts it in this process, in this, in this line of thinking. He said, there is no healing of thy bruise. Thy wound is grievous. Sin is a sickness of the heart. It is a sickness of the soul. It is a sickness of the mind. It is a disease that causes us to misplace our, our alliances, our trust, our, our hopes. And God says, there is no healing of thy bruise, thy wound is grievous. What God desires more than anything else is for us to be made whole. 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 Wholeness. Does God want to heal your body? Yes. He would go many times in Scripture and He would heal and he would bless. Does God want to bless you? Yes. But there is a wholeness that God wants to put upon each and every one of you. Can I say this today? Can I be so bold today? Can I declare this today that God's desire for you is to be made whole? Amen. You heard me quote this verse the last couple times, uh, last couple moments we've been here together. The blessing of the Lord... It maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow to it. The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich. doesn't mean that he's going to fill your bank account with endless dollars. It doesn't mean he's going to give you monetary substance. No. The blessing of the Lord. What is the blessing of the Lord? It's what... It's what our, our, our dear brother Ryan preached about today, being obedient to God, walking in his will, walking in obedience to his word, the blessing of the Lord. Amen. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, or sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and upon his law doth he meditate day and night, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich. What is richness? It is the ability to have whatever you need, whatever you desire. And if you don't have it, being rich means that when I need it, I can go out and get it. Yes. Yeah. 
<laughs> See, you can take your world, you can take your money, you can take all of that stuff. The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich. It's a blessing that comes. That's what God desires for you. Yeah, yeah. But thy wound is grievous. There is no healing, he said, for thy bruise. God's desire is that you would be made whole. To heal. There's someone here today that God wants to heal you. He wants to heal your spirit. He wants to heal your soul. He wants to heal your mind. But the trouble is, when we get wounded, when we get hurt, it affects how we act. It affects how we walk. It affects how we even show ourselves in public. Because what do we try to do? We try to cover up. We try to cover up our wounds. Now you can't see. Now you don't know. Now I know there's been a big reason and context for why we're wearing masks for the last year and a half, but we do this so often we try to cover up our wounds. Well, if I can just keep going to church and smiling, nobody's going to know. Well, if I can just keep going and doing this, nobody's going to find out. But inside, there's a wound that will not heal. God's desire is for you to be healed. Now, I got to hasten on because I don't want to take too much time because this is just a simple word from the Lord, and whoever needs to receive it needs to receive it. We read two passages of Scripture. The first was, both of them were concerning the Sabbath day, and the context of the Sabbath day was the overall message of the passage of Scripture. But the Bible's so powerful, you can't exhaust it. You can't even exhaust one word of Scripture. And so the point that the, that, that the apostles put in adding the story, that God led them to add the story, was to teach to us something about the Sabbath day, to teach to us that He's the Lord of the Sabbath, but even in the story, there's a moral of the story. There's a story within the story. So the story is about Jesus healing on the Sabbath and being Lord of the Sabbath twice, but there's a story within the story. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to look at this story within the story. Here's the story within the story. There was, a, there was a man that had a withered hand, and there they are on the synagogue at, at the Sabbath, and Jesus is going to heal, but they're saying it's unlawful for him to heal on the Sabbath. And the Lord looks over and he, and he has someone that probably is doing what we're doing. They're trying to hide. They're trying to hide their problem. And there was a man, the Bible says, with a withered hand. And so we asked the man with the withered hand, stand up. Jensen, stand up. Isn't that what he said? Rise up. And what does he say? No. What did he say first? 
stand in the midst. He said, well, let's go to the Bible here. Let's make sure I'm in the Word. Luke chapter 6, rise up and stand forth. So stand forth. I want you to come forth in the midst of all the people. Okay, that's good enough. You're good. Rise up and stand forth in the midst. Lord, I just wanted to go to synagogue today. I was just going to get in, have a little worship, hear a nice message, and get out. I dressed up. I wore my outfit that sort of hides my hand a little bit. I was going to stand on the right, turn my face this way so nobody could see. If I just preach like this all day, y'all, y'all don't even know. I'm going to sit on the right side of the church. Come on. Isn't this what we do? I'm just going to sit in the back today. Nobody's going to help me preach. And here he is, just a good old Sabbath day at the synagogue, minding his own business. The Lord's dealing with somebody else. And he turns and says, rise up, stand forth in the midst. He's looking around. You know how it is. You look around. No, he didn't meet you. Here he comes. And now it is totally on display. It is totally, there's a discomfort and there's a vulnerability. But because of his obedience, the Lord said, stretch forth thine hand. Now, he didn't say this all at once. The story tells us there was a break there. Rise up and stand forth and then stretch forth thy hand. The Bible says he does what? He stretches forth his hand. When he stretches forth his hand, in the, in the moment immediately his hand was made whole. We go to another passage of Scripture. Go lay down. Since I've already embarrassed you, go lay down. <laughs> go lay down on the stairs. There you are. There's a man lying. I love Brother Jensen. He is always up for a good sermon illustration. He is just, he's my man. Here's a man lying. Now, if you were lying by the pool of Bethesda, I don't know if I would lie this way, but hey, after 38 years, you can lie however you want to lie. (laughs) And here's a man laying by the pool of Bethesda, and the Lord comes by, and there was this, this, this spring bubbling that would take place in there, and they would try to jump in at that moment. It was like the healing spring, and whoever was the first one in there, according to their their superstitions would be healed, and he would try, and he would try to get there, but he couldn't get there. And uh, try, try your, your legs don't work. Try to get over to the other side there and just show us. And so here he is. This is not, this is not to have a funny moment. This is to illustrate how difficult, how difficult this situation was. 38 years, and now are you going to do that every time or are you just going to give up and realize I never get there? But he's still there. He's laying, okay? And the Lord comes by, and the Lord says, Wilt thou be made whole? Will you be made whole? And he's, he, he, he expresses his desire, but then he tells, Why 
He cannot be made whole. Have we ever done this? Well, you know, God did, has God ever done things? Oh, God's done great things for you. But the reason why I am this way, the reason why I am this way is because of this. And we immediately in that moment excuse and justify and we, we bring ourselves down beneath the promises that God has for us. I want to be so bold to declare that the fruit of the Spirit is not just for a select few. That's right. That's right. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. You do not have to succumb to the lie that says, well, I love God and I know God loves me, but the reason why I don't have peace in my life is because of fill in the blank. Yeah. I'm here. I'm, I'm preaching to somebody now. The reason why I can't have joy in my life is because of what happened to me. What's going on? This is what I'm talking about today. God wants to heal someone. We live next to the Savior, and we live next to the Redeemer, and we live next to the Deliverer, and we live next to the Waymaker, but we make excuses why it cannot happen in our life. Yeah, yeah. And Jesus turns to him and says, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. What's he been trying to do for 38 years? The Bible says that he got up immediately he was made whole. It was on the Sabbath day. The story within the story is this, that before the healing took place, the Lord would ask them to do something. Before the healing took place, they were put in a vulnerable situation. Well, God, I don't want anybody to know. I can't let anybody see, Lord. I've, I've been coming to this church for so long. How, if I go to the altar, everybody's going to think. I'm not preaching to everyone in this room. But just like Jesus, he's speaking to someone who needs to try one more time. For 38 years, you've been trying and it wouldn't work. And the Lord asked them to do what hadn't worked. He asked them to do what not only had failed, but he asked them to put effort in something that did not work before. Rise up. Lord, I tried that. It doesn't work. Stretch forth your hand. Lord, every morning I get up, I hope that I can stretch forth my hand. Yeah. And I can't. God saying, try one more time. 
In Luke chapter 6, they toiled all night. They fished, <laughs> and they fished. These were fishermen. They knew the Sea of Galilee. I've been there. You can see its perimeter. It's massive. It's large, but you can see its perimeter uh, on a clear day all the way around. They knew the way. They knew all the spots. They knew the, they knew the places to go. They, they, they would fish with the net. They knew how to do it. They toiled and toiled and toiled, and these expert career fishermen could catch nothing. And the Lord looks at them and says, after all of that, launch out into the deep and let down your nets. Lord, I've tried and tried and tried. God's saying, but this time, your effort will not be based out of your desire. It will be based out of your obedience. You see, we can try, thank you, Brother Jensen, we can try on our own to heal ourselves, and it will not work. But if we would just obey the voice of the Lord. Too often we don't get to the point of obedience because we're not open to the point of vulnerability. Can I say that again? Too often we never get to the point of obedience because we're not open to the point of vulnerability. In our worship, we, we're Pentecostal, and so we, 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 we worship the Lord openly and expressly. I, I would hope to say that we're not just Pentecostal, we're biblical. That the Bible tells us, clap our hands. It tells us to make a joyful noise. It tells us to open up our mouth, to shout unto God. It tells us to sing. It tells us to praise Him upon all the instruments and to praise Him upon loud cymbals and high-sounding cymbals. God is worthy of, of a beautiful, marvelous racket. He, and we worship Him in, in, in many different ways, but... Not only in that, we, we come in prayer and we talked about it. They sang about it today. We bow down and we kneel and we, we, we lay ourselves down before the Lord and we come before the Lord and we, we magnify Him and we surrender our heart. And in our Pentecostal church tradition, we have, and this, this isn't in Scripture. I think it has scriptural principles, but it's, it's not written in Scripture. But we have this place up here, and we call this the altar. We call it the altar. We call this a platform. The platform was designed for the exaltating of the Word of God. And then there was an altar, and we would come and we lay our lives on the altar. We surrender ourselves to the Lord because we know that the number one requirement for discipleship is daily self-denial. We come to that altar and we we submit and surrender our life. I close with this as they come to the music. There are so many precious memories in my life that I have at an altar. The altar has been my friend. Sometimes the altar is not always at the front of the sanctuary. Sometimes the altars have been in different places, different settings. The altar is not necessarily this, but it's what is taking place here that consecrates this as an altar. It's what's taking place. I, 
I've made altars many times at the front of the sanctuary of the church I grew up. I've made altars at campgrounds and camp meetings. I'll never forget, I made a very pronounced altar one time. I'm probably going to tell my age. I think it was maybe 1999 Youth Congress. Maybe it was 2001. I can't remember. Maybe, maybe it was 97. I can't remember. You know, when you go into those big conference centers and the grandstands or the stands are there, everybody was packed in and I couldn't get down to the altar and it was just me and God. And I sort of wandered off the side, back around underneath the seats, the grandstands made my own little private place with the Lord. I had a prayer room in Indianapolis that I would visit in places that I would go pray. Made altars. I hope you've made altars. You make altars where you give your life and everything to the Lord. Before healing can take place, we've got to be willing to obey the Lord. And in order to obey God, it might require some vulnerability and discomfort. That's where pride is such a thief because pride holds on and says, I got to pretend like I have it all together. And what God just wants is He wants to make us whole. Rise and stand forth in the midst. Who, who me? No, 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 Lord. Not today. God's asking some man or woman that's holding things in their heart to come forward. God's saying, I'm just wanting you to surrender. Doesn't matter how long you've been around. Doesn't matter how long, what's going on. God's saying, I, I can heal you. But I've got to obey. Come on, I don't know who I'm preaching to, but will you take the step? Come on, this time you're not doing it because it's your will. You're doing it because there's obedience in your heart. Healing is in the house today. Come on, somebody. Come on, father. Come on, mother. Come on, son. Come on, daughter. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ right now, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. God, I make myself vulnerable. God, I'm surrendering my heart right now.